0: In 1973, a group of Indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of Indigenous art.
1: That was all or nothing. We're representing all our people.
0: And create a permanent space and galleries for Indigenous artists in Canada and around the world.
1: That was really a rock star moment for me.
0: I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the Professional Native Indian Artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome.
1: Watch out. Jesus. Welcome, listeners, to the Art Slice Museum Laboratories Division of Color Theory and Color Studies.
0: Art Slice LDCTC. I'm Russell Shoemaker. I'm Stephanie Duenas. Listeners, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is not your typical Art Slice episode. So, if you're looking for a serving of art history, check out our latest full episode on John Lorenzo Bernini. And then, if you like that, start all the way at episode one and work your way up. Our
1: Ponchimons have been hard at work compiling data from listener submissions for a once-but-no-longer-top-secret project...
0: Color. Building a better tomorrow. Today. Many of you may be asking why. Why color? What is this all about? Listeners, remember those kind of vague color surveys that we had you all fill out? Well, we did a little something with them. A little something. A little something.
1: Us humans have been trying to categorize color, understand how colors exist, behave, how it changes, how we perceive it, how it impacts us. And that's why we asked you to fill out those color surveys. We wanted to better understand. Understand our different experiences with color because color is so important, it's so knowable, we all know it, but it's also very unknowable. <laughs> and in this little mini-series, we're going to touch on the history of color theory, talk about the history of the pigments behind the paint, and then get into ours and most importantly, your associations with those colors listeners as individuals, as a culture, as memory. Because if you're an artist, an art admirer, a designer, if you crochet
0: dresses for baby Jesus like Tiarita. <laughs>
1: Exactly. (laughs) Or if you're just living, just living in the world, color impacts you in ways that are obvious, but also not so obvious. And our mission here at the Art Slice Museum's Laboratories, Division of Color Theory, and Color Studies is for us all to live a fuller life through color today. Today. We're also going to workshop this mission statement. It's a little (laughs) bit
0: wordy. Today, listeners, we're digging into magenta. And when I think of that uh, color... uh. Yeah, that makes you make those sounds, right? (laughs) We're gonna have a lot of that. When I think of that color, I think of Selena's iconic jumpsuit that she wore to the Astrodome. Astrodome, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah if you don't yeah, know yeah. what I'm talking about, Google I it. Um, I also think of beets and <laughs> the stains they leave behind. I'm talking about the vegetable, not the yeah. red beets. No, I know. No. I got I, okay. I, I,
1: <laughs> I actually think of that bubblegum pink that looks like it's been rolled around in Philip Guston's ashtray. Dirty pink. Dirty pink. because Dirty bubblegum pink because I want to see <laughs> him paint with that magenta instead, Okay. Right? Dirty ashtray magenta. I want to see it. You know, I have a curious mind, Stephanie, and I want to see it.
0: Definitely. Listeners, we thought we'd get into this particular color because, as you can tell, and unlike that controversial couch from the the last episode, the Viridian couch,
1: the Viridian couch, there is
0: no denying its presence in our lives, be it in our past or our present. And speaking of.
1: The Viridian couch, Stephanie. The results from the previous episode survey of the Viridian couch are in. Oh, sweet
0: baby Jesus in a crochet dress. Now, Stephanie,
1: I was tempted several times to just kind of shut down the survey. Oh, were you? Because I was mounting such a commanding lead. Also, listeners, I'm losing my voice today. I'm very sorry about that. I have a cold. And I was like, I have to invoke the mercy rule. Oh my god. You know, just destroyed. (laughs) Wow, okay. You know, you're my you know, you're my partner. You're my BFF. We'll see after this episode. <laughs> but then you know what, Stephanie. What? The Stephanie stars came in
0: during <laughs> yeah. garbage
1: time. And Wait, excuse me. Yeah, during garbage garbage
0: time. time? Yeah, it's not what a the disc. hell is that's garbage like, time. That's a
1: sports term for when the game is basically over. That so is... the defense, like my defense, basically sits down and starts eating hot dogs. My know? mouth is a gape. Listen, that is so rude, Russell. <laughs> and and the guy, like a no. I'm just saying the Stephanie stars came in during garbage time and they brought it a little bit closer. It Kind of became a, a nail-biting scenario. Okay. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. So it got really close, and I had to put my starters back out there. You know, I got Michael, I got Giannis, I got Lola, I got Newman, I got Godzuki <laughs> back in the fourth quarter okay. just to make sure right. we made it. We got a comfortable lead once again. We made it right before the buzzer. Okay. Okay. Aren't there All like right.
0: several games though? Like, don't I get another chance? Like, like a best Two out of three? No. No, oh. I don't know. no. 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 It's no, over. I,
1: no. I think we should definitely put this. Behind us, let mm-hmm. bygones be bygones, Agreed. like clearly thalo couches be clearly okay. thalo couches. No, okay.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, I just think I just think it's best to move on. Yeah. We're never going to agree, and that's fine. I'm
1: sorry about your Stephanie. You're stars. not sorry. Yeah, You're I not. Am. I am. Sorry. So listeners, <laughs> let's just get into
0: it, okay? Listeners, some of you who let me down.
1: As always. As always, you can see all the salty images we discuss on artsizepod.com and some of the images on our Instagram page or Tumblr page. That's, that's right. right. I'm losing my voice. We're tired of Instagram's bullshit listeners. So you can be one of our first, like, I think we have two followers right now. So you could. Can- yeah. Too strong. Too strong. I love it. Uh, where was I? Artsizepod.com. Preferably. That's our first choice. Tumblr. Preferably. Our second choice. Instagram. Because that's still where uh, some stuff is, I guess. <laughs> No, it's a wasteland. Still where it is. So that's our third choice.
0: Let's get into it. Yes, very excited.
1: Chips, chips. The overhead projector. Chips. No, it's over there. (laughs) No, unplug that. That. Yeah. Okay. All right. Stephanie, it's time for that hot new segment on Art Slice, the one the listeners have all been waiting for, called How We Perceive Color Chemically. Ooh. And here is the clickbait headline, Stephanie. Magenta. One of the most intense, loudest, flamboyantest colors doesn't quote unquote (laughs) exist. (laughs) (laughs) Headline subtitle, Our Mind, Stephanie, is creating a stopgap so that we don't implode into the vast ether of possibilities and crumble under the knowledge that our brain just invents a color. I mean, I'm being, so I'm being a little bit clickbaity, of course. In optics and in color science, magenta is an extra spectral color, which means that it is not found in the visible spectrum of light. And before you say, oh, but it's right there between red and purple, the visible spectrum of light is not an artist's color wheel. Instead of a color wheel, imagine a one-way horizontal strip starting with violet and ending with red. Hmm. The cones, famously of our rods and cones, basically each have a job. Some see blue, some see green, and some red. And whatever light wavelengths fall in between, they kind of cover their bases there. Okay. So when you look at Viridian from our last color episode, your blue and green cones are firing. And the brain is averaging out the color of those two wavelengths to present to you Viridian. Yellow colors would do something similar. They would trigger the green and red cones, since the wavelength is between those two cones. Hmm. But magenta pings the blue Blue and red cones. Okay. And they bypass the green cone altogether. (laughs) And part of your brain for a moment is frustrated. It wants that order. It wants that organization. But another part of your brain also likes a good challenge. Okay, it's a problem solver. It's also a little bit punitive. (laughs) (laughs) So it blends the two wavelengths of the colors and averages them to uh, magenta. You would think green though, right? In between those two colors. Right. Which is great because we get to see this dope color. But also it kind of feels like your brain is sticking it to the old green codes, right? Because magenta is one of green's complementary colors and thus it can get Quite competitive with it. Kind of rivals, friendly
0: rivals. Friendly rivals, like you and me in the couch. Let's get into the characteristics of magenta. Generally speaking, magenta is considered a purplish-red of high saturation with a pretty middle-of-the-road value. But there is a wide spectrum of what is considered magenta. It's not easily reduced to one wholly platonic color. So you may think of it sitting between violet and pink or rose, or you may consider it a glowing bluish crimson, or you might even confuse it with fuchsia, (laughs) which is actually more... Bluish, And because of this slippery classification of what magenta actually is, the question of whether this is a warm or cool color can be confusing. Magenta
1: is a cool color, sunglasses emoji. <laughs> but depending on what type of magenta you're looking at, digital or pigment or whatever, and, and the actual quality of those pigments or digital screens, it can vary wildly within that purple to violet to rose to pink to red spectrum. <laughs> so it's a cool color that often feels like it should be warm.
0: We had such a hard our time narrowing down which magenta to use as our baseline <laughs> we settled on the pigment quinacridone magenta to be our guiding post but we're taking into consideration all of the different magentas sure so
1: quinacridone magenta in pigment form it's semi-transparent it's extremely durable like we discussed in the last episode often pigments degrade over years especially brilliant and bright colors but this one stays vibrant and it's a great example of that coolness that feels like it should be a warm like we were saying, the range of quinacridone magenta highlights another unique property of the color. It's organic, but often it feels like it should be synthetic. This is this is a
0: real chameleon
1: of a color. Sunglasses emoji. Chameleon with sunglasses emoji.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, then you can't see its bulging eyeballs. Anyway, shit. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I would see this color in everything from toys to cartoons to clothing, and you would find yeah. a variation of it. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vibrancy was eye-catching. Is, honestly, is still eye-catching. Many of you listeners rightfully pointed out its saturation in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s. Toys, cosmetics, packaging, (laughs) Motorola phones, plastics, even Jane Fonda workout gear. So,
1: you you know, we just mentioned a ton of synthetic looking shit. You'd be right (laughs) to think that it's synthetic. But if you've ever seen some neon magenta petunias or as at Mermaid Queen point, it out, dragon fruit, one of Shit's my favorite real. fruits. Yeah. It's real. You know it's very much a color that appears in nature. However, in the mass-produced version of this pigment, when it's put into a plastic kid's toy like a Polly Pocket or Nickelodeon Gack, then the color takes on the characteristics of those synthetic materials mm-hmm. in a way
0: that some other colors might resist. Definitely. So going back to it being a chameleon color, magenta is just so tricky. It has such a range. It can be gaudy, it can be be brilliant. It can be cold. It can be cozy. (laughs) However, I feel about different variations of the color I always appreciate its role wherever it
1: shows up. Right. So with the oil paint, when you darken it or add white to it, it still stays pretty damn vibrant, <laughs> although it will eventually go from a fuchsia to like a bubble gum, like a more of a uh, like cool bubble gum yep. or from a red wine to kind of a neon blackberry. Ooh. Like you said, I'm either in love or repulsed by this color, depending on how it's used <laughs> and altered, right?
0: Well, which is why both Brooke and Anne described using this color sparingly in their art and design work brooke says i rarely use magenta but when i do it is only in small amounts to make those areas pop and an awesome designer and patron of art slice thank you Anne. thank you Ann. says if i was painting i would use only a very diluted version of this color but for design work i use it to guide the eyes of the viewers to highlight important information exactly
1: uh and sorry Anne, that i uh um, made fun of you for sending us viridian you City, really did <laughs> Okay, so Anne would use it perhaps if she was designing a, let's say, a cease and desist letter from T-Mobile. <laughs> you would use magenta to highlight those legal threats.
0: Okay, yeah, we're getting to that. Okay, okay. So onto the digital equivalent of magenta. Magenta. I still see. I still use <laughs> <your> digital. <laughs> you can have it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the digital version of magenta is the one we are most familiar with. The hex-slash-color-aid-slash-pantone magentas also have quite the range. In our opinion, though, without the pigment, they lose a little bit of their je ne sais quoi in translation. Right, right. So without that natural pigment. TV magenta, right? LED magenta. Neon
1: light magenta. I just said magenta. Whatever you're thinking of, it takes on those synthetic qualities and becomes very synthetic feeling, mm. much like the plastic.
0: An example of when that synthetic digital magenta works well is in illustration and animation. A few of you mentioned Magenta from Blues Clues, the doggy. Uh, the other doggy. Uh and other animations like Adventure Time and Sailor Moon, that neon magenta glow in anime. I, oh, love, yeah. That. Yeah, I love, love that. love it. And as listener Anonymous, a.k.a. the, the Verity Vir- killer. killer, she pointed out the monarch cocoon from the animation series, The Venture Brothers, has this stunning <laughs> magenta glow. Yeah, Do you know what this is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while
1: since I... W- Wait, have you not watched that show? No. Oh, my God. we got to watch this. Okay. Sorry, what are you talking about? Okay. It has David Putty in it.
0: David Putty. I don't know his real name. The Flea? No. The Flea. Isn't he the Flea? The Tick? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Whatever. Uh, okay. Uh <laughs> the pulga <laughs> the flea
1: Oh my God. This is a great example of how color is used to signal societal weirdness or otherness, often used for villains in pop culture. But another listener mentioned the album cover Goblin from Tyler, the creator, which I mean, it says Goblin in bright magenta right there. (laughs) The comedian James Zedomian actually has a brilliant bit about how villains are often portrayed as queer to really nail down that otherness to the viewers. To signal that these are people who do not want the atypical nuclear family and are dangerous. They're dangerous, Stephanie. Peligrosso. Dangerous to society. Peligro, Peligro yes. <laughs> and definitely the monarch and Dr. Girlfriend fall into this category and their cocoon, right? It's, it's magenta.
0: Oh, yes. It's glowing it's magenta. fabulous. Yes. 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 Yeah, it's great. We will link James Adomian. It's hilarious and it makes some good points. And color only amps up the deviantness in all of this, right? Deviantness. Like when we make up words. All right, let's get into the history. It's the mid-19th century, and chemists were making bank by creating chemical compounds for new shades of color. Mm. It was a lucrative business at the time, lots of competition. (laughs) So then one day in 1859, French chemist François Montheville discovered... (laughs) Good job. Yeah. <laughs> discovered magenta, a reddish purple dye, and he called it fuchsine or fuchsine. I really don't know which one <laughs> it is uh, because it reminded him of the color of a fuchsia in bloom. Aww. Isn't that sweet? That's very sweet. But immediately after, you had some British chemists also toiling away in their British laboratories, and they came up with rosine or rosin. Also don't know how to pronounce that, which was more red. OK, it's not quite the magenta that we know today, but it's, it's close.
1: Yeah, it's probably why there's such a range of colors called magenta.
0: So these two colors were an immediate success, and they were made from a very plentiful resource, so this color was going to be accessible to a lot of people. The first customers to get their hands on some were not civilians, Russell, Mm. and listeners, no. They were European armies who (laughs) used it to dye their uniforms. Okay. we right?
1: We're we're in the days when armies actually wanted to be seen. (laughs) Like the camouflage, they were the opposite of camouflage. Talk about flamboyant, man. And this new bold color was going to scare the shit out of, out of the army of X small country with X precious resources so that they could quickly take over and quickly set up a puppet state and get those precious resources.
0: All while wearing magenta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the military's interest in this color, some influential warmonger renamed it magenta to commemorate the Italian French victory at the Battle of Magenta, which was near Milan that had just recently taken place. Okay. Because Fuxine and in didn't quite evoke the brainwash war vibes that one needs to support a war. Yeah, they want to look like a flower, but they don't want to sound like a
1: flower. (laughs) Anyway, listeners, I tried to find images of of these magenta uniforms, but I just found (laughs) the worst articles on the feminization of European armies. So if you know of any images of these magenta uniforms, we would love to see them. Send them our way.
0: Meanwhile, everyone else was starved for bright, affordable clothing, so soon after magenta, other colors began flooding the market and due to all of the experimentation magenta soon became just one option among thousands I guess it's not
1: as it's not as cool when everybody's doing it right stuff <laughs> kind of right however it was not long until another use for magenta was discovered and I think you all know where we're headed with this in 1906 a printing ink company discovered that four colors just four semi-translucent colored inks could be used in tandem to create an almost limitless amount of color you know what those Stephanie? Yes. Cyan? Yeah. Magenta? Yeah. Yellow? Yeah. Black? Yeah. CMYK, aka the four process colors.
0: Wait, black is not K? It is black, K. What does K stand for? The K in the black. No. Yeah. It stands for key.
1: Well, okay, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting back at me for that gritty no, and green couch. No, yes, you are. Look at, this, look at this joy on your face.
0: <laughs> never. Was I'm okay. sorry. I was trying to. I was, oh, that was
1: okay. Anyway,
0: I was just anyway, to
1: if you've me. ever looked at old magazines or stuck your nose in a vintage comic book, you might notice those little evenly spaced dots of color that often overlap with other colors. These little dots, also called halftones, is that correct, Stephanie? L- I don't know. Little print. know it all.
0: I'm not. Little Princey. But I did used to shove my face in the magazines at the dentist office. Called you Princey. You call me. Princey. Like a princess. Call me Princy. That's like fine. Pr- princess? No. Oh, I see. You spelled it like, like a princess. Artzy? Like Princy? Princess? No. Anyway, don't give also the listeners called- a false. A false image (laughs) of me, please. Thank you. Also called
1: halftones and they build upon each other by stacking or layering in various angles.
0: And if you haven't already done that, listeners, do stick your face in an old magazine or comic book. Get a good smell of it.
1: So this process created different colors, saturations, values, all while being very conservative with the ink that they used. And because the pigments for these inks are common and affordable, it opened up a world of access to creators.
0: The Viridian Killer actually summarized the process of offset lithography printing quite well. I would know. I'm printy. Quote, gotta have that magenta to print. When you have a photograph, they divide all of the colors. From there, you make plates for each individual color, then you print the four colors, one layered on top of each other, to get a replica of the photograph you divided up. But back to the very specific quinacridone magenta. The quinacridone compound was surprisingly first synthesized in 1886. Ah, uh, yes, the, uh, the year corporations gained their personhood. Yes. Despite its shockingly brilliant color, it Beautiful semi transparency and incredible durability, it didn't immediately take off as a pigment. Mm. Probably because there were already a lot of other comparable and tamer pigments trending, like <laughs> matter, carmine, and alizarin. But as time would tell, these were fugitive pigments. Oh. Russell, can you describe what we're looking at?
1: So we have a we have a pale family here. They they look like they just eat white chicken breast and malodextrin. Uh, oh, and why? then they have not a pale quote unquote
0: assistant. They kind of look like ghosts, though, don't you think? Yeah,
1: like they're tired. Like the man is like leaning over on his chair. He can barely stand up in his high heels. <laughs> the little baby, she's being held by two people, including her mother, I assume. And the, the mother's actually turning her head towards the ca- well, the camera, the painter. And she's barely keeping it up. The mom looks like she's about to topple over, too.
0: Even if they didn't look like ghosts, I'm like, I don't know about this composition. Anyway, anyway, these are paintings by Joshua Reynolds. And today he is known for paintings in which his mostly white sitters have lost their skin tone. Okay, The Indian maid, however, is beautifully preserved because he wasn't trying to bring out her rosy complexion Mm. through a glazing process involving fugitive colors. we're
1: using that uh, conacridone yet.
0: Fugitive meaning they fade over time, sometimes even in just a few years. This also famously happened to Charles Birchfield from episode 12.
1: In Church Bells Ringing from 1917, this was one of his early watercolors that featured a spooky church bell tower with his moody hidden symbols. The work which, if you were to look at today, is just gray with a few splashes of desaturated color here and there. Most notably, this really out of place, bright blue, kind of zigzagging up the bell tower. But if you look carefully, you can see a faded outline of where another color, some sort of red color, used to be. So flash forward 36 years later in 1953, Birchie sees this work on display at the Cleveland Museum of Art and the red that was once there, the red that we don't see today, was gone. And he lost his shit. Oh, he no. lost his ever-loving shit, Stephanie, but oh. very calmly, very calmly. Oh, okay. okay. So Birchie That's politely scary. asks the concierge <laughs> to use the museum's phone. Of course, Mr. Birchfield, right this way, he takes him to the telephone, pulls out the telephone book okay. right there. He he flips to D, D for director. Director of the museum. Okay. So he starts dialing that rotary phone. Do you remember those? I
0: know what they look (laughs) like. (laughs) Do I remember it? No. (laughs) Uh,
1: He gets the wrong number first. He puts on his reading glasses, concierge, just kind of staring off into the distance, awkwardly holding that smile, you know, when you have to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Eventually, the director's phone rings right down the hall. They all have a good laugh about it. Okay, But Birchie is insisting that the museum give the work back to him so he can fix it to an improved version of its original original intention, a gradation of mauve to purple to that blue that's oh, still no. there. They start doing that friendly, joking but not joking thing, right? Yeah. No, no yeah, yeah. About. They're like elbowing one another, but kind of forcefully, right? <laughs> yeah. Ha ha, well, if you don't uh, let me take it, I'll dress up like a sculpture and wait till the museum closes and then I'll, I'll change it when you're, <laughs> when you're not. Ha
0: ha ha ha. Ha I'll have to double the guards, Charles. Ha ha ha. Polaroid of it. Ha ha. Now the guards know what you look like. Ha ha, well, I work out in the woods Ha-ha-ha-ha. all the time time, Mr. Director, so I hope your guards don't mind the sting of bear mace that I always keep on me. Ha ha. If you remember, listeners, this is when Charles was taking his old work and adding new sheets of paper to them, increasing their scale, and then was totally reworking them. <laughs> so if the museum had let him do this, yeah. it would have been a totally different We They would work. have never gotten it back, probably. Probably
1: not. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for both of them, it was not yet 1985, Stephanie, when after tinkering on the long-lost quinacridone pigment formula <gasps> for decades. Who was that? Oh, no. Oh, it's Steve Paintube, and he emerges with an era-appropriate rat tail <laughs> and keyboard necktie. Okay, he's got patterned shorts with a little skateboard oh, gecko no. wearing sunglasses, you know, riding around, saying rad. It says oh. rad all over it. To introduce <laughs> not just quinacridone magenta to the market, but a whole quinacridone family Whoa. i'm talking quinacridone rose Whoa. quinacridone pink stop purple violet okay. sienna yes. gold coral etc yes. etc
0: and the rest is history these pigments were wildly popular because they had so much potential due to their color intensity and light fastedness. they weren't going to fade on you and leave you broken hearted Our
1: pantry moms have handed us a clipboard filled with your answers, listeners. Let's get into it.
0: Question number one. What are your immediate thoughts when you look at Magenta? Stephanie, no wrong answers right, right from the hip. All right. So Magenta reminds me of a 90s computer game that I used to play in Ooh. the early aughts called Chop Suey. Okay. It's not about food, if you were going to say that. Uh, no, it's about two girls who go on a like trippy uh, journey exploring their aunt's mysterious hometown. All right, all yeah. right. Um, It's super bright and it's colorful. And everywhere you look, there is some shade of magenta. And it's honestly such a lovely touch.
1: Well, there's so many different textures. We're looking at some screenshots here, listeners. There's a lot of magenta. It kind of looks like a Windows, what was that, MS Paint? Yes. It looks like they made everything with MS Paint with like this spray brush tool. Yes. And
0: <laughs> I now that you say that, I bet they did. <laughs> Some yeah. of those clouds look a little questionable. <laughs> Aunt Vera's room was my favorite because there was a set of matchbooks on her dresser. Okay. And you can click on each one and each one would take you to the exterior of the place okay it was from. And as a kid, like I hadn't really traveled much, so it was really cool to imagine these places, right? Like I'd never been to New York City and it's just New like City. Oh, New York City, yeah. That's actually my favorite one. Listeners, it's the Rainbow Room matches. Okay. Of the Rainbow yeah. Room. This looks like
1: your work, Stephanie. <laughs> I can see the yeah. influence. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? As I'm saying this, like I'm, I'm realizing how this game taught me To put magenta with just about anything, Mm -hmm. like when I'm making work.
1: I see a lot of the translucency you use in your work. It's definitely in there.
0: I really do think it is. And it was really fun to go back and play, Mm -hmm. reliving some of that nostalgia. But also, yes, rediscovering my early artistic journey. Yeah. Wow. Having a moment. So I
1: think there are things in our childhood that sneak into our art that we don't really think about until we (sighs) do these sort of exercises.
0: Well, I would love you and for the listeners to uh, play this game. You can, you can still it? do that. It's out there. Well, it's maybe fun. we'll
1: uh, if we ever get around to it because we still haven't done the Daddy De game. We haven't maybe, forgotten, listeners. Yeah, we haven't forgotten. We're just busy. <laughs> maybe we'll actually play this at some point with <laughs> some drinks. Some drink-sies. Yes. Thank you. I was, yeah. That was my next step. Some magenta Max. drinksies.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> Winky wink, no promise, listeners. No problems. <laughs>
1: no promises, no problems. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, enough about me. Let's move on to your answers, listeners. <laughs> Many of you mentioned the feeling of being overwhelmed by magenta in one form or the other. Mm. From buckets of middle school art materials to over-sugared snacks, airbrushed T-shirts, Lisa Frank horror vacuI <laughs> stationery and posters, oh man, blinding neon lights and crowded raves and clubs.
1: I'm about eighty percent sure this exists already, but how okay. great would it be to have a Lisa Frank version of Bosch? It has. It's just over. I'm like right there, listeners. You get that one for free, but we get some royalties. I mean, it's weird. (laughs) Most of everyone's answers, we could actually draw a line and follow it from childhood to today. When magenta is mentioned in childhood, it's this eye-catching color. It's sugary or Mm -hmm. it's playful. You have like fond memories of it. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like as you age with magenta, it takes on these other more seedy implications.
0: At Campbell Smith 317 lists off glamour, neon signs, sleaze, motels, Miami, hey, it's classy but unsettling. That's basically okay. Miami. And then St.
1: Henry listed off their favorite childhood grape juice, mm. vampires, blood-soaked lips. Okay. okay. All right. Poison that is bittersweet Mm. and deadly. Dark velvet. Swamp foliage. Swamp foliage after it rains? Yeah, actually you get some magenta plumes in some of the swamp grasses. Whoa. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I didn't know that. I actually had to look it up. I didn't know that. And red tides, which I was aware of. Yeah. So that's when the, you know what that is, right? Yeah. Should we tell the listeners what it is? Yes. Okay, go ahead.
0: Water turns pink. <laughs> water water yeah. turns pink. It's algae. You it see algae. Yeah, the algae is red because it can be green. We know it is green, but it can also turn. And it red. is kind of toxic. I think. It's something in the minerals in the water yeah. or something. See, I shouldn't have jumped in hey. and said I know anything. Magenta is <laughs> a wild one.
1: Magenta is a wild one. Even in its naturally occurring state, it's still a little bit unpredictable and unsettling. There are just some colors that have that warning sign to them, and magenta is definitely. One but it's of like them. a
0: sassy warning. Yeah, <laughs> watch out. It's like I might kill you, might not. It might be delicious, like dragon fruit. Might delete later. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. We see this in its use in cosmetics as well. Gray said, quote, your weird grandma's lipstick. I almost said your grandma's weird lipstick, because <laughs> that also works. That works. A really kitschy rug, the Pink Panther. Strawberry Shortcake's hair. Actually, a lot of you mentioned makeup, like all sorts of cosmetics, including hair dye. Mm. But Consuelo, another patron. Thank you, Consuelo. Specifically mentioned matte lipstick in various hues of the magenta family, which matte magenta has such a different look than the flashy, slick or like at Sakura the Explorer said, wet lip gloss. They're both very unexpected as makeup, but the matte is almost more surprising because magenta magenta is seen as a very bold choice for lipstick. Yeah, and matte lipstick looks a little fuzzy. Looks like the texture of a peach. You know what I'm talking about?
1: I would argue we are more used to seeing this color as a synthetic, Mm -hmm. as like glowing, glossy plastic, or like LED lights, right? Yeah. But by giving it a natural matte texture, it's almost more surprising. It's the neon fuzzy petunia petals you aren't expecting. (laughs) Yeah. We planted tulips the last couple of years, and they have started to surprise us with their glowing blazing bright zebra stripes. Shocking. Yeah, like they're super <laughs> bright. And I know better, but I'm still dumbfounded that this these colors can be made in nature.
0: Yeah, plants are mind-blowing. They really are. Which brings us back to another commonality between your answers, listeners. Quote, girl toys, Barbie, everything. Polly Pocket, Hello Kitty. Why'd I say it like that? <laughs> Hello Kitty. <laughs> why did I say it like that? Hello Kitty. We already mentioned Lisa Frank, which, yes, Toys, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: But Magenta's also in, quote, boy toys, unquote, too. It was just in smaller ratios. Mm.
0: My brother's toys always had like cool orange pops, which mm-hmm. I really like. But overall, they were less colorful, mm-hmm. not as colorful as a Polly Pocket. I feel like boys' toys aren't
1: <laughs> given as much leeway with color. Mm-hmm. Like you had to come up with a logical excuse for this color. It's a, it's, it's a neon magenta because it's an electrical ray or something that <laughs> you shoot from your fingertips. I don't know.
0: But by comparison, the magenta that's found in toys and packaging, even in high ratios of it compared to other colors, is more digestible.
1: In makeup and paint and textile dyes, in nature, it's very wily. You don't know exactly which version of it you're getting, not to mention how it's going to play off of the colors around it or the atmosphere around it. Mm-hmm. So think back to those swamp plumes. Swamps can be kind of creepy in the in certain lights, and in certain lights, like that magenta is going to look like kind of scary. It's like, yeah. ooh, what's this like weird color... <laughs>
0: In the middle of a swamp. Exactly, exactly. Super unexpected. Or
1: like at Raymond.rod's mentioned a club. So imagine you're sweating your magenta makeup off in a sweaty dark club with magenta <laughs> neon lights shining through a fog machine or some shit. And it's, it's just going to look a lot more unpredictable. It's going to look like a film noir. Yeah, definitely.
0: Beautiful hot mess, maybe. Question number two. Outside of art, do you associate this color with any specific memories? Russell, go.
1: Okay. Well, just discussing all the different textures and variations of magenta from natural to synthetic to glowing lights, Mm -hmm. I started thinking of a day that I experienced all of those things within a few hours. Whoa. Uh,
0: (laughs) Sensory overload. Yeah, it
1: was very much a sensory overload. So I was trying to catch the Symphony of Lights in Hong Kong, okay? (gasps) So I used to live in China and I lived very close to Hong Kong. I'd go there on the weekends and check it out. Because it's hey, a really cool place. Rude. So there is Hong Kong proper, and then there is Hong Kong Island. And they have this famous laser light show between the two skylines. the, oh. so the two skylines <laughs> are kind of like battling laser light shows, okay. right? And Hong Kong is the city where you feel like you're moving from layer to layer to layer. It's mm. constantly changing. Okay. It's very colorful, but it blurs into this like halo of movement and different hues, especially if you've been drinking like we were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's also like this dense, squished metropolis. Like okay. everything builds upwards, right? Super you have compact. These tiny, yeah, you have these tiny little pathways that you have to walk through. And the terrain of the city isn't flat either. So pedestrian pathways weave in and outside while moving upwards. Okay. So, okay, I make my way out of the subway, right? I mm-hmm. arrive in the subway station. I okay. use the incline conveyor belt to, you know, start working my way up. And the first thing I noticed is that they had all these long scrolling ads for condoms. Oh, <laughs> Okay. But with Ultraman characters, do you know what Ultraman is? No. So imagine a much weirder looking Power Rangers.
0: Okay. Okay. okay.
1: But they're advertising condoms. <laughs> <laughs> which is a weird okay. The ads had this very cosmic magenta tone to them, mm-hmm. which kind of set the stage for the rest of the night. The the, Did magenta. It. Did <laughs> the it. magenta. Okay. Not the condoms. <laughs> so eventually we get up there. I'm watching the harbor reflect the laser light show. Oh. But actually my mind is still catching up from all the colors and textures I saw that day. My memory was on a lag, but also I was watching what was happening presently. Whoa. But it was all blending into one thing. And the only comparison I can really think of is one of those like NASA colorized nebula photographs. Whoa. Because they're like black exactly and white. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: That is so poetic.
1: Th- that's what it felt like anyway. Everything was real. Here's the photo to prove it. But also this was a cosmetic color placed over top of it, which was still part of the real experience, even though it was cosmetically placed there. If that makes any sense.
0: You know what? It does. <laughs> okay. I'm into oh, good. <laughs> it. I'm like in awe. I'm like, whoa, now I'm catching up. Now I'm catching up to everything you just said. Um, I'm definitely jealous. Yeah. We need to travel again. Yeah, we really do. Uh, Well, we got some very specific responses from you all as well, which just goes to show how color can be so personal. At Oskylo mentioned Hello Kitty shorts they got as a kid that they still wear and are now booty shorts. I love this. I totally do this too. All of my shorts from 2020 are now booty shorts, so I I
1: definitely feel that. I think, yeah, a lot of people probably feel that.
0: Ad Ezreal's art says that it reminded her of a vibrant 90s (laughs) pink that she wanted as the color of her bedroom, but her parents ended up getting a bubblegum pink instead. Boo! Boo! Boo. Boo. I
1: I mean, I can't imagine how many household paints could be as vibrant as magenta without costing a small
0: fortune. (laughs) Now that I know as an adult. Right.
1: Like, I mean, think (laughs) of a tube of magenta paint, even like cheaper magenta paint. It's usually the more expensive one. And still, it's very grainy when you push it out of that. Yeah. It's thick, which means it is (laughs) pigment loaded. It is pigment loaded. Sorry, Ezreal. I think your parents were just trying to save a buck or two. They're trying to trick your kiddo eyes. But hey, do it now. You're an adult. Do it now. Yeah. You should hire a car painting company to just come in and blast your house with the specialty enamel paints.
0: Yeah. You just have to let it air out for a couple months. Just leave the couch, leave the cats,
1: leave the dogs, whatever you got. (laughs) Leave it all there. It'll become part of it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Speaking of tricking your eyes at Krasowitz mentioned sunsets when all of the rocks turn brown because of that overglow. I love it. Love that. Yeah, love it. Some uh, hike sitting
1: and watching the sunset. Mm. Sounds great. The yes. earth reflecting
0: the sun off in the dust particles. So romantic. It is. We discussed this a bit in Agnes Pelton, but I can't think of a painting where she used magenta specifically. Definitely a lot of purples and pinks, though. And then high heeled pancakes mentioned memories, specifically caught in 1970s photographs graphs. Mm-hmm. Quote, it reminds me of photos from the 70s that got damaged in processing and have an overall magenta tone. Ooh. Like, I guess the C and Y and K wasn't as strong <laughs> or stable in this case, like something chemically went wrong and they just have a magenta tone to them now. I remember
1: this through old family photos that would stick to the plastic album sleeves. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yes. And I swear there used to be a bunch of blogs that had nothing but vintage photos that were disintegrating.
0: Listeners, if you have examples, please send them our way and we will add them to our website. And Consuelo says that the color sparks nostalgia in her, specifically her college years after having left her Mexican household, experiencing a whole new freedom, being naive, hopeful, excited. Mm. I can totally relate to the Mexican household nostalgia. I was really missing that when Russell and I moved to Massachusetts back in the day. The first couple of weeks, I was like, where are the Latino grocery stores? Okay, <laughs> I need the colorful piñatas, the aisle of cleaning products. Like, Jesus, I would even settle for the Haces, treats, yeah. right? is yeah. Uh, and hmm, hmm, what do you know? What do you know? All of these have some shade of magenta yeah, really in their packaging. It's a staple in the Mexican color palette.
1: But Stephanie, it's also a staple in the Dunkin' Donuts palette, Gross. which is everywhere Gross. in Massachusetts. Okay,
0: I remember. So you
1: don't need the Mexican grocery stores.
0: Okay, <laughs> thank Dunkin you. Donuts. Yeah, huh.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's I'm I'm joking, but it's shocking how much color there is in other countries as compared to the states. Here, it's all suburban tans and the worst discount Beige. grays. Like, fuck my life, dude.
0: Fuck your eyes. <laughs> uh, oh. At Cora the explorer mentioned hibiscus tea, and Anne had something similar to say. Quote, the color reminds me of my grandfather who would make me a delicious magenta colored juice from mm. a sweetened Perron concentrate. I love the cute stickers on the bottle. I thought that was an extra. Nice <laughs> I like touch. that little extra, yeah. <laughs> I second the hibiscus tea. We called it yeah, Agua de Jamaica. Uh, apparently, it originated in Africa. I mm. went years without questioning the Jamaica part. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes by different names depending on which part of the world you are in. as hibiscus is an international fave, which both hibiscus and currant have that distinct magenta glow. Question number three. Does it remind you of any artworks? packaging, pop-cultural items.
1: Stephanie, you want to lead us off here?
0: Frida Kahlo wore a ton of magenta, from her rebozos to the flowers in her hair. Mm. You can see them in the very popular color photos taken by Nicholas Murray She wore these purposefully, and Frida's calculated image is complicated. We don't have time to rehash that here today. (laughs) And speaking of pop icon ladies, more than a dozen of you mentioned The Marilyn Monroe Prince by Andy Warhol. Hmm. A few of you even mentioned The Colored Mona Lisa Prince.
1: Yeah, I was happy to see The Colored Mona Lisa Prince. They're some of my favorite Warhols. Oh, you don't like Marilyn?
0: Uh... <laughs> I don't
1: know. Uh, no, I know. I'm going to be honest. I don't. Uh, I mean, they, so the Mona Lisa's just seem obsessive and strange and kind of like a punk show flyer. Maybe the yeah. Kinko's version of the more well-known Monroe's, you know. The Monroe's feel too polished to me. They're they're mm-hmm. just like, they're a little too good. I like to see a little bit of that that human touch. You know what I'm up. saying? A, li- a little bit of a fuck up there. I don't, I'm not here for a Maserati in a pristine showroom. Gotcha. Okay? That's gotcha. just my personal taste. Okay.
0: You're very poetic today. I like it. <laughs> me gusta. Listener great. Gray mentioned that Lisa Frank cheetah print, which mm. is an incredible print and also so over the top that it almost repulses me. I agree. It's <laughs> it's very over the top, but I love it. It's one of my
1: favorite Lisa Frank prints. Really? Yeah. Oh, Well, it's kind of devoid of all the cute animals. You know, it's just the prints. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I
0: can appreciate that. I
1: do have the same reaction looking at Marilyn Minter's work, though. Uh-huh. So thank you, was it Gray, for reminding me of her work. So being poetic, once again, you know, I think her work <laughs> oozes magenta. Not. It's not always just magenta though. Like she uses magenta uh-huh. but her work just feels like the embodiment of magenta. So it's teetering between synthetic and organic, slick and sticky, glitzy and sleazy. They're all distorted images of fucked up high fashion okay. figures covered in makeup, jewelry, mm-hmm. spit, glitter, mud, oh. caviar. Oh. <laughs> like, who knows oh. what else? The work Love that it. she became known for was painted with enamel paint. So industrial paint on metal surfaces. Ooh. So materially, the are super impressive. It's like looking at a race car on a wall, right?
0: Yeah, she's definitely worked with Madonna and she, she actually photographed Lady Gaga um, oh, years nice. ago. Yeah. So that checks out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's work that I
1: would prefer not to look at and work that I particularly don't like, uh-huh. even though technically I think it's very impressive, especially when it's painted. But not liking it is part of the
0: appeal of it. She's toeing the line. Like, Do you like it? You don't like it. Yeah. I like that you don't like it. Exactly. I like that you don't know that you like it, but you want to like it. Ezreal's art mentioned Judy Chicago, okay, as like a whole ass person. Sorry, this is, I'm quoting her. Quote, like a whole ass person, she totally embodies this color, but she also dyes her hair magenta Definitely. often, apparently. yeah. Most recently, she did a 2020 installation work called The Female Divine, which was in collaboration with Dior. But we really thought of her series Atmospheres, Fireworks, Dry Eyes from
1: the 70s, which is an incredible series of work. Mm-hmm. So in the work she's basically transforming the California desert landscape with fireworks and pyrotechnics <laughs> and they're all very colorful, right? So it's all this colorful smoke and it yeah. ranges in different colors. A lot of magenta in there.
0: In today's conversation about intersectional feminism, Judy Chicago has come under fire for having a very narrow view of what feminism is and you are as well when it comes to the performative feminism and cultural appropriation, but <laughs> these are still pretty rad, okay? And we and we really love the use of Magenta, nonetheless. Azucar. Sugar. Sugar, listeners, was another big category that came (laughs) up. At EC underscore going mentioned some of those insane tricks colors. Oh, my God. I love that. I know. EC going? It's EC going. It's like like, you have an accent. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And that sugary magenta in treats we indulge in also translates to technology we consume. (laughs) Is that your transition? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. At Campbell Smith 317 mentioned the Motorola flip phone that girls in my middle okay. school had and silly bands. Okay. <laughs> I don't
1: know what silly bands are, but I remember that flip phone.
0: Everyone in my school wanted it. I did not get... Uh... You a razor uh-huh. no i got a uh <laughs> i did not need a cell phone so i got a little budget one i got a little uh non-flip phone nokia it was oh the great yeah boring gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i had that for a
1: long ass time like way too long
0: in hindsight yeah. i would like another one please i think i had it till
1: like 2010
0: <laughs> really yeah i was
1: a late adapter to the iphone
0: I remember one of my cousins had an iPhone, yeah, the very first one, and uh-huh. they were like, "Look, it's touchscreen." I was like, eh, "Who needs touchscreen?" Yeah. I'll just, Why would I'll I want to take a picture buttons? with
1: a phone when I have a camera? <laughs>
0: right? You were more self-sufficient. I had my printed out MapQuest. So- <laughs> Seriously, I was thinking about that the other day, like, oh what did God. you do if you had to go to the library?
1: Yeah, you got to Yeah, that's what I would do. I didn't have a phone. Yeah, I know I I that yeah. too. I was a Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel that. I feel that so hard. And then both at Sekora, the the Explorer and Consuelo had to go and ruin the fun by Mm. mentioning T Mobile Magenta. Mm. Consuelo says, quote, occasionally working in print advertising, litigious T Mobile has a huge grip on a few magentas. Allegedly. So, T-Mobile listeners has trademarked a color, a certain shade of magenta, uh, allegedly, and they like to go after other brands that use allegedly, it. allegedly,
1: allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Stephanie, I, but I do have a, I do have a hot press release from T-Mobile.
0: Are they paying you?
1: No, they're not. Okay, okay. They Should be. I think they. Might I think if you I should note this. that. Yeah, uh, hot as in March thirty first. So okay. cold and inedible at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Title: You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. New magenta hue. This. Oh
0: my god. Okay. Who did? Okay.
1: Corporations trying to be funny. You got to love it. T Mobile is rebranding. Gone is the old iconic magenta. The uncarrier, that's what hmm. they call themselves, the uncarrier. It's a new way of saying a cell phone provider.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: is known for. Today, nearly two years after joining forces and physically merging with the dying carcass of Sprint, T Mobile introduced new magenta. A new and improved magenta. A revolutionary new color hmm. only for the largest and fastest. 5g network okay i have okay i'll let you finish. stephanie t-mobile has provided us with two swatches in a joseph albers-esque side-by-side test of the eye okay let me know what you think here one is the regular magenta that they had before the one they trademarked and one is the new magenta that they have now trademarked with a with a cute little pantone sort of
0: number thing marked on it T-Mobile mo four seven five okay this is the same color Yeah, this is a joke, yeah. so If you notice, it was March 31st. This was
1: released before April Fool's Day.
0: (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) So this trademarking of color is ridiculous. Allegedly, allegedly. They don't have much (laughs) left to corporatize and colonize, so why not a pigment? Right, but it's not unusual, unfortunately. Have you ever heard of Tiffany Blue? I have not. Cadbury Papal? Nope. Well, they're a thing, okay? Mm -hmm. An insulation company named after the Pink Panther trademarked Pink rolls of fiberglass insulation.
1: Well, even artists like Anish Kapoor trademarked the rights to Vantablack, so no other artist could use it. What a good, what a good, what so a good person, Stephanie. So rude. Corporations are people, but I guess people can be corporations as well.
0: Question number four. How and when do you use magenta? Some of you are bold and into using it freely, like St. <laughs> yeah. St. Henry, quote, I'd use it for almost anything. The pigment is beautiful. It has a deep richness to it. A welcoming darkness. Well said. I Definitely. love that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I personally, Stephanie, I use so much Quinacridone Magenta. It's one of those colors, like we said, that it looks like it should be warm, but it's also on the cooler side. So that can make a very complex and eye-catching mixture of colors. Okay. I also like to hide it in very small bits between layers of paint. Okay. So it, like it just
0: kind of pops out just a little bit. I like just that. a little bit. And
1: if you put a little green in there somewhere, it starts oh. to like really Ooh. lift the surface a little bit. It looks great.
0: Is that because they complement one another? Yes,
1: they're complementary. Exactly. Even if you don't see the color directly, the richness
0: of that oil paint is, is really present. Gotcha. Your paintings are magical, so I totally believe everything <laughs> oh, you just said. You. Speaking of layered, a lot of you like to layer with Magenta at Scora the Explorer says, "quote I love layering
1: with it in portraits. I use highly pigmented colors, and it's a lovely color to use for shadows, lips, cheeks, eyes, knuckles. I agree. Anything that is skin tone. Also, spoken like a pro, you really need that heavy duty, beautiful pigment to make a beautiful work of art. And at Scora the Explorer knows this.
0: When I used to paint, I would also use it to punch up skin tones, but." With my collage work, when I need a darker pink to add some tension with the Mm. warmer colors I normally use, I layer it underneath iridescent Mm. mylar for more depth in an area.
1: Absolutely. It looks great.
0: Thanks. I love it. It's fun. At Oskylo uses it for multiple overlay layers in digital art on lighter skin tones when going for a dramatic look. It's very helpful. Yeah, it really we don't, is. We've been unexpected. trying to get into like digital
1: art more and it always amazes me like what you're able to do with it. At Dogwood Finch says, if I reach for it, I am looking for bright pops of color in flowers or foliage or foliage. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Possibly some interesting lighting in a night scene. Mm. Getting that roller rink neon vibe. Love that description. And then at Krasowitz, I use it as an in-between space between cool and warm or to move red or blue around.
0: Making the color work. (laughs) Make that color work for you. Make it work.
1: A great example of using magenta in traditional painting to move your eye is John Singer Sargent's portrait of Miss Hugh Hammersley. It's Mrs. Sorry, Mrs. Hugh (laughs) Hammersley from 1892. Oil on canvas.
0: Sargent is one of our favorites favorite painters. He is just so good at capturing the essence of whatever he is depicting, whether it's personality, colors, or textures. In
1: this work, immediately we notice that the star of the show is this fuchsia and magenta velvet dress.
0: Which reminds me of fashion photography along with Mrs. H's casual pose. Very very
1: cash. Very casual. (laughs) It's not very cash, actually. Kind of, yeah, I don't know. What?
0: It is. She's like leaning back like, oh, did you see my tiny waist?
1: (laughs) I mean, he is using magenta in fragments, which which abstracts the dress as it leads your eye from the sleeve of her outstretched arm all the way down to the embroidered hem near the floor, which has a very beautiful, dusty-looking rug there. But velvet (laughs) itself is wily. Its color and and texture varies in the light. So Sargent uses warm grays and cool purples, not just magenta, to depict the creases and frostiness of that fabric.
0: And that may be why the color has preserved so well, listeners, if you recall our earlier examples of fugitive colors. <laughs> There's
1: also a study of
0: this work. It's just raw, juicy
1: paint. <laughs> it's translucent, so the light is just beaming and reflecting off of it. Sargent's works always feel like they're moving to me. Magenta's running wild. <laughs> yeah, nothing's tame in it, right? Actually, I really prefer the study of this work. Right? Kinda. Yeah, that's great.
0: I like that it's not tame. It's, yeah. the, it's the Wild Wild West on her dress. Her little hands
1: are like, I don't know, they're like kind of all over the place, <laughs> like they're playing the piano.
0: <laughs> yeah. As wild as this is, it's confirmation that the underlayers is what makes this dress so vibrant
1: they're just like singing so good I started it forever question number
0: five. A magenta-colored lightning bolt has corrupted all of your devices, and you can only watch things in magenta vision. What are you choosing to watch? Last question, Stephanie. Listeners, your answers were fantastically all over the map on this one. Of
1: course, of course. We have Steven Universe. We have Nine of the Living Dead. We have Pose. We have WandaVision. (laughs) We have I Dream of Genie. So a lot of answers here.
0: Brooke summed up a lot of the responses well. Quote, it would absolutely be a dark horror film based in a chick flick type world which Mm -hmm. would subvert both genres in doing so. Hell yeah. Yeah. Flipping a switch and turning everything magenta subverts the whole experience. Depending on which media you've chosen, it can make the film seem delirious, electric, Mm. glamorous, or lush and dreamy. It shows how versatile and loaded any
1: color is? Especially a color so volatile as magenta. And it's a tough question because so many movies use color so purposefully. Mm -hmm. Originally, I was thinking Vertigo for my answer by Alfred Hitchcock. Just because the colors were used as signals of the protagonist's budding psychosis, I wondered what it would do to the film to take that away from it.
0: I settled on this very colorful Bollywood music slash video film. (laughs) It's on YouTube. It's called Donga, which means burglar in English. It's from 1985, and it is so colorful. Also, it's sparkly, and that's why I chose it. Similar to you wanting to take away color to see how it functioned. vertigo, yeah. I just wanted to see magenta in the various textures, settings, lightings, transparencies, dancing. I've concluded that they're in some dream sequence because otherwise it doesn't make sense to me, right? I, right. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to see that dream in Magenta.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I eventually did land on Uncle Boon Me, Who Can Recall His Past Lives? That's the title. That's the, the title of the title. film. It's a okay. very good film. Okay. Absolutely watch it. It's a very slow film, though. Get some popcorn, be ready for it. Have a little Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a cafe. Color is very important in this film as well, but mm-hmm. it's used much differently than in Vertigo, of course. The film often has has much darker flashback scenes or okay. uh, past live scenes, and they are often in these cool monochromatic tones. Mm. So I think Magenta would certainly challenge the dreamy or the sinister vibes in those scenes. So yeah. I want to see what it would do to the film. I think it would make it look great
0: we have a little treat for you listeners mm-hmm. we've comprised a collection of some of your answers in magenta vision yeah so you can judge for yourself <laughs> overall though stephanie how are you feeling about magenta what do you think it sounds like magenta overall is just like a subversive color yeah like no matter where you apply yeah. it to it's kind of mind-blowing chameleon color uh, a uh, subversive chameleon a chameleon
1: with sunglasses he's kind of shady you know what i mean he's your friend but he also sells drugs whoa okay
0: <laughs> all right
1: i mean it's a complicated color sometimes it seems like it's more trouble than it's worth sometimes like if i'm looking at it for too long i feel i feel like kramer in that episode of seinfeld where the kenny chicken, <laughs> chicken. roasters <laughs> franchise is right next door and his rods and cones are all messed up yeah but overall yeah i love magenta one of my favorites especially quinacridone magenta
0: well listeners we hope you've enjoyed this second installment of this little color mini series within a podcast series
1: yeah let us know if you're enjoying these color episodes we honestly enjoyed making our brains look at color differently and we'd like to continue making them if you all are enjoying them.
0: Yes. Russell and I haven't been able to make as much work as we normally would for a lot of reasons but nerding out about color with you all as the nerds has been super motivating and we hope it is for you all as well. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's why we do this, right?
0: We have one more episode lined up fluorescent yellow, which you still have time to fill out your answers for. If you all want us to keep making these color episodes, don't be shy. Please Let us know. Yeah, I'm
1: very excited for this one. I peeked at some of the answers already, and they are great, especially the ones that were submitted
0: like six months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. The survey will be up on this episode's website post at artslicepod.com. If we've taken it down, sorry, Mr. Window. Thanks again to Rose of Loyalty Freak Music for letting us use the song, I Need to Do It to Be Alive by Soft and Furious from the album, Diving in the Self, which is one of hundreds of incredible songs that they've made. You can
1: pick it up for Name Your Own Price on their Bandcamp page. It's a great album all around, really good for the summer. Or you can support Rose's mission to create queer, free music against capitalism and fascism yeah. on Patreon. Seriously, got a buck or two. Send it their way.
0: And listeners, we know shit is tight right now. Yeah. We're feeling it. We really are. <laughs> If you can, though. Eggs are like $7. Join our small but excellent group of folks over at Patreon. Like if you recently canceled the subscription, you know, to like Netflix or something and have yeah. a few bucks to spare every month, it really helps to pay for all of the shit we need to make Art Slice.
1: And Netflix doesn't pay for taxes, but we have to pay for taxes. We sure do. Yeah, we think sure about do. that. We're
0: <laughs> at about half of our monthly expenses covered by our patrons, and we would love to cover all of those expenses. It helps us make our lives easier, and it helps us get these out quickly quicker you get more art slice who doesn't want mass we're
1: trying to use software that gets these out a little bit faster yes.
0: even a dollar or two a month is so helpful
1: if you can't do that we definitely understand you can help us out by sharing the show with a friend you know locking them in their in your car and forcing them to listen to it uh <laughs> liking subscribing saving leaving us a review on your pod player of choice it all helps us get past those algorithm goddesses this, this, this. and in front of more eyeballs and ear holes so we really appreciate that Yes. All right. So we will see you uh, next time, listeners, on the Art Slice Museum Division of Color Theory and Color Studies. We still don't have a sign-off. Color me. Surprise. Yes. And and happy to see you all next time. (laughs) Stephanie's waving goodbye, listeners. Bye. 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 Bye.